Welcome to episode 218 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we discuss the Heisman race, transfer portal entries, and coaching hires here after the regular season has concluded. You can find this on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern Time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Go share the pod with your friends. Now, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host in the city of Atlanta, Chris Mark. That's right. And for the third time you've been here this year, I've been out of town, so we have not been able to get together. Yeah, I like it. Fun. <laughs> I guess. Have, been, have you been enjoying the 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 city? I like have. Back here? It's wonderful this time of year. Um, there's something about the sirens and the chicken wing bones on the sidewalks that really just kind of ties the room together. Um, no, I mean, I, I miss Atlanta. I, like, I don't, maybe I'll come back here, but like, it was, it was a really good trip. I have to leave today. We're recording this on a Friday. We're a little bit behind schedule. Um, it's been a really fun trip. It's just, it went by really fast and all that stuff. Well, I wish you were here for a little bit longer so we could hang, but you find a way to leave. That's fine. Yeah. Start calling um, you dad. Um, speaking of fucked up situations, um, the, should we just, should we bring up what happened in the comments last week? Oh, on the Instagram. No, I was going to say in, during the live video, when I, oh. Tyler's sitting here, Tyler's sitting here during his, his, um, rant about Florida state last week. And I'm, I'm just sitting here listening actively and the comments are going crazy. And I look down and I see this very familiar name and I, listen, I want all of you to know right now, if you think you're having a bad day. If you think your family has some issues, if you think that, you know, it, you're, you're weird or not normal or whatever, I want to make you feel better right now by telling you that you've never hosted a podcast and saw your dad's mistress in the comment section arguing about the topic you were on. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. Um, wow, she made some good a, points. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, everybody wanted to tune in. I think that was our most live listeners we'd ever had. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, yeah, obviously a polarizing topic. We're, we're not going to spend today going back over it, but um, that's good for the pod. Um, got a lot of reaction to the clips that went out about um, you know my rant, and uh, it was great, man. Um, yeah. Which leads us into kind of where we're at now. We so we're past obviously regular season, conference championship week, getting into bowl season, and we will be actively breaking down all the bowls that happen. We'll have a couple specific bowl. Uh, pods that will involve Connor as well. Um, so look forward to those. Um, we've kind of got like a little bit of a dead period right now. So the great opportunity to talk about kind of what's happening in college football surrounding transfer portal. We got the Heisman ceremony this Saturday. We've got uh, coaching hires that have been made. So just going to kind of be a fun pod where we're just going to dive into some of this stuff. I mean, there are some huge names in the portal. Yeah. I mean, like that that whole five star D line that Texas A and M like half signed a couple years ago. Half of them are in the portal right now. I remember. You remember when I was on Feinbaum earlier this year, and I made the joke, and I got just dragged uh, from A and M fans. It was purely a joke. There, there, because Feinbaum was asking me if I was worried about the Bama A and M game um, as like a potential, you know, uh, like 
sneaky upset or something like that uh, or trap game. And I remember laughing and I was like, they had at the time, I think they had over 30 players in the, in the portal from that year. And I was like, they might not even have a team. Like, how do we, they might have, have this many people leaving the portal by the time this interview is done. And people were real mad about it. I mean, real mad. Um, and it really was just a joke, but like, what's crazy is like the, like I, we were talking about this last week, Walter Nolan is the number one player in the country coming out of high school. And he goes to A&M. Now he most likely went to A&M because he got a bag to do it. And, and like, you know, like, I don't know if, if you if, listen, if you're the number one D lineman in the country and you're in the, and the goal still is not to like, just make money. It's, I want to get to the league. Like this is fun. This is good money that I can start a life with, and and, and more money than I've ever seen probably as, as, a, as a kid. All that kind of stuff. But the goal is to get to the league and make like life changing money, and like, you know, like tens and tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds. I don't know. But like, you go to A and M, and now you're in the portal, and I, like, it's just very. It with him, I don't know why you wouldn't have gone to Georgia out of high school, if you're trying to get developed, right? Maybe you really fell in love with the with the yell leaders and all that kind of stuff and the tradition at, at AM or whatever. And like that's fine. But like at the same time, this is I think the perfect example. And I'm 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 a thousand percent speculating. I don't know his situation. And I, this is all speculation. So it's you know, assumptions are not always great and probably dangerous, but this is what we were talking about. Like the other day we were texting back and forth about if you're a, an elite high school player, it makes sense to sign somewhere and then transfer twice if you can in the era of NIL, because you will get paid three times. Once you like, like he, he is going to get paid now. And he probably won't, he probably won't be a, a graduate transfer later on, but if you're like Dylan Gabriel, I was like, why did Dylan Gabriel leave Oklahoma? He's going to get paid again. Like, well, I, and I, you know, what you're starting to see too. It, it's, it's certainly, and I don't, I don't begrudge these kids for trying to get a bag. I mean, you're playing a violent yeah. combat sport where at any given play, your career could be over. And so get the money while you can. Um, but now you're starting to see kids come out and say, it's not just NIL. I want a chance to win a championship while I'm in college. Yeah. You know, you saw Trevor ET or yeah, Trevor ETN say that about leaving Florida. It wasn't about money or anything. He wants a chance to win. And right. He doesn't feel like you need to have that at Florida right now. So, not surprisingly, his top three are Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. It's I a mean, done deal where he's going. Yeah. I mean, I know he's going to Georgia, but you kind of got to make it look like you got the top three at least. This is the one thing that I, I am – this is the one turn that I don't like. And ETN played the whole season. He's been fine. Like, he, like he's, he's a great player. He's a great player. But when the portal opens on Monday and you start hearing people saying, like, we've been talking about Trevor Etienne going to Georgia for a very long time. And, and I'm, I'm, it's not just Georgia. I'm just saying this specific instance. But, like. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, Riley Leonard. Like, he got a crystal ball to go to Notre Dame before he was even in the portal. Right. <laughs> right. And I just, that part is super shitty, I think. Because, like, like. I, I fully understand now that it's becoming a business, but it's also like these, this is, we're still in those very infant stages of these kids don't have agents. They don't know how to navigate all these things. And it's like, like I, you need to go do what's best for you and your family and make all the money you want and all that kind of stuff. But like, there is also something to be said that when you are on a team, like that you have worked 
all year with and for and and like you know throughout a season and, and like fucking two days in practice all there's just something shitty about it, especially at quarterback in my opinion that you got one foot out the door making deals to leave while it's happening and coaches do it all the time so it's yeah. like but, but and that's shitty too that's shitty too it's it's not like it, it doesn't need to be like a point the finger tip for tat thing it just means like, like like it's just jesus man it's just so much well it's you, you could compare transfer portal era to basically like having free agency, but when you're a free agency, you're, you're a free agent in the MLB, NFL, wherever, teams can't just contact you while you're in the middle of your contract and be like, hey, why don't you drop that contract? Come over here. We'll pay you a new contract. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like this like fake form of free agency that is just causing a ton of chaos in the month yeah. of December especially. Um, well, and Tyler, you're like – Maybe this is coming from somebody that's not has been financially responsible in my life as, as you. But if you're a kid, if I'm in college, I mean, like I was in college, like living off money week to week, like 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 a hundred bucks like week to week, like to pay, like you know groceries and going out and like all this. I have no idea how we did it, but like your mindset in for most kids in college is not like how is this going to affect me long term. And if I go to A and M, like the mindset's probably. I'm getting paid this amount each month. This is whenever I get paid, this is how much I'm going to get. Not like over the course of time, as long as I stay here and I do this, this, and this, like and there's a contract. They don't like they're fucking kids. I guarantee most of them don't get that, but they, they, they immediately assume like, listen, this is the grass is green over here. They're going to, they're going to still pay me. They're going to give me more stuff. Like it, nobody's worried about breaking contracts with like, with signing NIL deals out of, out of high school. No. No, and the other thing too is um, on the flip side of it, and I've heard some horror stories from you know I think I've mentioned here on the pod that I've got a buddy that's a a very successful high school coach down in Florida, and we were talking about uh, I was in Orlando and that's where he happens to coach, and so we were trying to get together yesterday before I left, and he was like, yeah, you know I got Tom Herman in my office, I got Miami coming by, I just don't think it's gonna happen, and I was like, you know, and he was like, Miami's kind of a joke. And now he's a Florida State grad like I am. That's where we met. So there's probably right. a little bias there. But he was telling me, I was like, you know, I feel like Crystal Ball's really good at just pestering kids and being on them constantly and dropping bags. And he's like, yeah, and half those bags aren't even real. These kids aren't even getting paid the bags that they're promised for NIL. Right. And that's what we saw that happen with the Rashada deal with Florida. Mm. And it's like, so there's, there's just bad shit happening all over the place and it's got to get cleaned up and just like we saw with maybe some of the angst about the cfp selections like when you have no real true leader of a sport it just opens the door for all this crazy stuff to happen with no repercussion yeah and there's nobody that's leading this nil stuff the ncaa like kindly backed out and now no one's being held accountable the players the coaches the nil collectives nobody so it's crazy um but yeah, there's a lot of talented players. I saw Oregon's got Walter Nolan and Dylan Gabriel visiting this weekend. I mean, talk about someone who's all in on next year. Like, yeah. you start adding guys like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so where do you want to start? You want to start uh, Portal? You want to start Heisman since Heisman's this weekend? Up to you. I mean, we're kind of already talking about the Portal. We can, we can stay there. So um, I'll just use the 247 rankings. Um Walter Nolan, obviously the number one player coming out. Um, but you've got some really talented players. You've got Dante Moore, who was like the all-world quarterback that came out, uh, went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. UCLA, I, I thought they were going to fire Chip Kelly. Maybe they're not. 
but he's gone regardless. You got Cam Ward from Washington State. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel. I mean, a lot of good quarterbacks. You got Juice Wells from South Carolina. Um, so hold on real quick. This is one of the things I want to talk about before with some of the shitty things that are happening in, in the portal. And again, a lot of this is speculation. I will tell you that somebody I do trust was telling me about like Drinkwitz having this conversation about the portal. And if you're Mizzou, you're and I'll use them as, as for this example is like if you're Mizzou, your mindset, the portal, and your your talent that you're going to bring in is former really good recruits that went to a bigger D1 school, like you know, Toriano Pride like, from Clemson. Clemson's one of their best DBs just transferred to Missouri. Right. Um, the the receiver uh, who was from Ohio State, Mookie Cooper, a couple years ago. Um, but like, you're going to live there where it's like you're going to get former elite like, like recruits that didn't like you get playing time or like hadn't panned out yet or whatever to come play in your offense. Like, and or you're, you're going to get like, you know, dudes like from like G five schools that were like, you know, linemen or whatever that like serviceable that you need, like positions of depth. You're not going to go strike it rich in the portal if you're Mizzou, but if you develop someone, cause that's what a coach's job is to do, you know, and, and you're able to put with your, with your offensive scheme, you're able to get all these people, all this, all this, like, you know, these statistics and, and help build basically what is now like a, a resume for free agency. Like drink said that what happens now, cause people are contacting him all year. Like, like, he he asked, uh, I think it was Robert Thomas last year. Sorry, Dom uh, Dominic Lovett about um, you know having a meeting, like end of year meeting, like to re recruit the team and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm sorry, I got you already committed to Georgia. He's like, you can't be committed to Georia. Like you're, you're on our team. Of our team. <laughs> you're a member of our team, and also like the portal isn't even open. And he's like, I I don't want to tell you. And then like he said, once the end, like the way he described the process of, of what happens. Cause like, like all of this is virtual, right? Like, like it all has to be done very quickly. And you so say you're, you're going on these like zoom meetings and zoom calls and, and, and whatever to talk to all these different recruits. And, and he said that it was so blatant the, like what the agenda was. He said he would, he would, he would, you know, join meeting, start meeting, whatever on, on zoom and like right off the bat, I'd be like, how much that, that's all it was just how much. That's and you know, I, I don't think that I would necessarily be above that. Like, I, I get what they're doing, but it's like you're playing chat roulette for a fucking for you know six figures, hopefully. And I just, but this is what we're talking about. We thought I remember saying this a whole bunch about how like you know teams like Kentucky, Mississippi State, South Carolina, some of these teams that have like a, a little bit of a ceiling over their head, like they're it's going to be really tough for them when Texas and OU get here. And now you have the NIL stuff, and it's like Jesus. Those those schools can't get the rich have are really becoming richer, I think. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, it's speaking of like kids that don't really have really have real guidance in this in this process. You know, I'll give you a good example of someone on Florida State, like their second best D lineman uh, or DN, I should say, Patrick yeah. Payton, tweeted out this week that he was he's like, I'm sorry, Florida State fans, but I'm going in the portal. And it was very clear that he hadn't spoken to any of the coaches. They were out on the recruiting trail. Right. Um, and diving into it, this was reported by 247, Knowles 247. The kid wanted one and a half times what Jared Verse got last year to come back, a, a potential first-round pick. And he basically played himself because he said he was going to go out in the portal on Twitter, didn't actually enter the portal to see kind of what kind of offers he could get. 
realized he wasn't going to get what he wanted. Then he had to go back a couple days later, delete the tweet, and now he's in negotiations with Florida State's collective to come back. And it's just like, what are we doing? What yeah, are we what doing? Are we There's got to be a better process. Um, you know, can we all just – I would be petty about it for a second and, and, and bring this up for no reason at all just because I am petty. Can we also finally agree that when, when coaches were talking about this in the offseason – and saying it needed to be regulated because it does. Like it wasn't just people like Saban bitching about the new age of NIL. He's not able to win because of, like because of this or like any other coaches. Like they don't want kids to get paid. That's not what's happening. Like it just I mean like if you walked into your job every day and you've been doing it a certain way for a long time, and all of a sudden, like your boss is like, "Hey, I, I'm see you later." Everyone can do whatever they want. <laughs> like, like it is. There's just there's. I don't know how you can operate in that 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 place where you're like because you you don't know how to what's fair, what's not fair, like what like what's legal, what's not legal. Like it's it's so much. It is, and just another example of the NCAA just having no real power. I mean, where are they in all this? Like they they've already said we'll just let the schools handle it, the conferences sure. handle it. So, but. The rules are the rules now. Um, you've got a lot of um, high-level and you know somewhat high-level players that are currently visiting other schools while they're still technically members of another team. Um, Walter Nolan, obviously the big name, you mentioned Dante Ward or Dante Moore, Cam Ward. Um, you've got the I don't know how to say his name, but his first name's Princely from Florida, the D end. Really yeah, yeah. Player. Uh, obviously, ETN. You've got Clemson's best safety, Andrew Makuba, went in the transfer portal. South Carolina's best receiver, Juice Wells. You've got Chase Basantis from AM, they're one of their best tackles. So there's going to be a lot of really high level players, and we'll just open this week. So there's going to be more. Still, so, some of these kids are going to still have exit interviews with their coaches, and they're going to realize that they don't want to be there anymore, or vice versa. Maybe the coaches don't want them anymore. Right. So they need more names to hit the portal, but. Already this far into it, we've got some really high level players. I what's what's weird too, the Juice Wells thing is is like I I don't know what all happened, but <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk about like the, just something is going on because the way that it was handled with, with Beamer and the media, all like the verbiage on it, like the wording was always very odd. It was like, is Juice Wells available this weekend? He's been available since such and such day. Like, is he gonna play? Because he sat out, like, and and you know, now he enters the portal and he already has his top two, and it's pretty clear where everyone's gonna go. And here's another thing, too. If you are gonna get paid by one school, I'm not saying this is what happened with Juice Wells, but I'm, it's also not something that's like that far-fetched to think about with like the way people are human nature and greed and, and money and whatever. But if you are playing for a team that is not going to a bowl game, like that, you're not gonna win anything. You might put up some good stats, but you've already secured your next location of where you're going and a paycheck. What's to stop people from saying, like, hey, listen, you know, maybe you got a nagging foot injury for the rest of the year, you know what I mean? For an extra mill mm-hmm. and 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 sit out for six weeks so like that that team, you know, doesn't have you. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no rules against that. Everything happens but you know, on back channels and behind the scenes, and then you find out when the portal actually opens who's maybe been predetermined where they're going to go since middle right. of the season. 
How about uh, Ohio State, by the way? What's going on there? I did something. It, it's very odd. Like like 13, is it 11 or 13 players? Yeah, are, I think it might be more than that. I mean, like high-level players. Like Yeah. Not only it's also player. because they're – they're like they only really recruit high level players, but still true. But I mean, like not only that they're they were high high level coming out of high school, but they've like done stuff on the field, like Kyle McCord, for example. Now I don't right. know if that was a Ohio State choice, like hey, we're gonna probably move in a different direction. Um, and he was kind of forced to go to the portal. But then you got like former five star Julian Fleming, like all world receiver that mm-hmm. never kind of got out of the shadow of Marvin Harrison Jr. He's in the portal. Um. I mean, it leads you to believe that like something's going on there with Ryan Day, and I know there's been some Twitter rumors, which you can't just talk about every Twitter rumor that yeah. Day is kind of actively flirting with the NFL. Um, speaking of South Carolina, by the way, I saw the just horrendously made hype video by Clemson where your your voice made it into the into the hype video. <laughs> it was the first thing they put. Yeah, it let it off the first video. thing that came in there. Just I don't know why I said that. I, I mean, I said that at 12, 12.30 p.m., and me, you and I recorded at, like, 8 that night, and I, I remember I was like, I don't I don't know what I was – I don't know why I said that. I don't – I don't, like – I just I just dislike Dabo so much. I don't – Same. Now the good news is that they didn't – wasn't a video of you saying it, so I don't think – unless people listen to the show, they probably had no idea who actually said that. Yeah. But – um, So, yeah, I mean, you've got – You've got the high school um, signing day on the 20th, which is coming up. And then you've got all this portal. Like you saw Brock Vandergriff from Georgia. Yeah. He's already committed to Kentucky. That was pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I honestly. So here's one thing, too. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and, and like I have no vested interest in, in this being a thing or, or really want it to happen. But I'm very confused as to why it's not happening more. And that's if you are a, if you are a good quarterback – Right, even not even like an elite quarterback. If you're just a good quarterback, and Brock Vandergriff is a good quarterback, he's a four and five star, and you are entering the portal, and especially if you have like that kind of those kind of accolades, like former elite eleven or whatever, why are you not immediately looking at Auburn? What like what like what is if you if you are a quarterback right now, and like and I mean in the portal, and you're looking at Auburn, and you're saying one. Everything I hear about Auburn is, is fantastic. Like the campus, the the student body, like the like you know, like the culture, all that kind of stuff. And it seems like a fun place. It's in the SEC. Oh, by the way, I know they went six and six this year, but they're obviously building something. They almost beat Georgia. They almost beat Bama. And then you look at Hugh Freeze's track record with as, with quarterbacks. Malik Willis got the league after leaving Auburn. By the way, um, I mean Chad Kelly got to the league and also was was like the leading passer in the SEC and Bo Wallace back to back 3000 yard passer like all this guy does is develop QBs and put up like really good offenses he didn't this year at Auburn because he had nothing to work with I, but I'm very confused with the amount of quarterbacks that are in the portal what why are you not looking at what Hugh Freeze has done with quarterbacks in his system on top of the fact that you have Auburn a budding NIL with with um what, 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 I forgot what's called on the something on the victory, and on top of that, you just got your second five star receiver commit for the class next year. Like they're only trending up. What? Why are you not looking? Why is no one looking at Auburn? 
Well, I think if you're Vandergriff, you got to look at all the success that Kentucky had on offense this year. And, well, what uh, the fuck? I mean, so think, think about this too. Because if you want to make the argument about, well, Auburn didn't have, you know, that, that offense was really terrible this year. They didn't do this. Kentucky brought in one of the premier people in the entire portal, a, a quarterback with Devin Leary. Then they returned their top five pass catchers from a year ago. Top five. Then, on top of that, they brought back their OC where they had they had success two years prior to that to fix everything. Better fix my whole fucking life, Liam Cohen. And and like, I just I I don't. It, that was very confusing to me. I think it, maybe it's a great fit. I don't know. Um, I just I'm I'm just shocked that like with the amount of of good, like. I'll say proven college quarterbacks and the crop that's in the portal right now, the fact that none of them are considering Auburn it blows my mind. There's still time. I, I, if I had to guess, they'll land a high-level QB, and there, there may be still more to come. Um, <clears throat> it's causing a lot of consternation with fan bases. Um, you know, Specifically, what I've seen from the Trevor Etienne is a former Florida player who – played on like the Tebow teams was coming out was like, I'm sick of these players saying they're Gators for life. You don't know what it's like to be a Gator for life. And then you've got fans fighting the players on Twitter, fans fighting older players on Twitter, fans fighting players, parents. It's just a mess, man. Yeah. Um, But Twitter is kind of a toxic place. So Um, let's talk about a little bit about Heisman this week. Yeah. Um, I personally think that had Bo Nix played well enough in the Pac-12 championship game and Oregon would have won, uh, he'd probably be a shoe in for the Heisman. That's wild. But all signs point to Jaden Daniels. I mean, 50 total touchdowns this year, 40 of them passing was tied for the nation's lead with Bo Nix. Um, you know, he became the first player in history to throw for 12,000 yards and rush for 3,000 in the same Twelve thousand. That's not no, right. That's not right. Um, CBS needs to update that. Uh, his uh, eleven hundred thirty-four yards rushing this season were more than nine total teams. Five times this year, he threw for at least four touchdowns in a game. Um, he led the country in yards per pass and passer rating. Um, just one of the, you know, best seasons we've seen not only in the SEC but in NCAA history. People will. You know, obviously, cut him down a little bit because they didn't, they weren't really relevant in the national picture towards the end. But, um, you know, you're talking about uh, uh, an award that that idolizes someone who's put up an individual performance. I can't think of anyone better than Jane Daniels this year. I mean, if they didn't have him with that defense this year, dude, who knows what they would have been. I, yeah, it was, it was weird watching the mental gymnastics people were trying to do leading up to it. And, and and I we've said this since before the Pac-12 championship game. Jaden Daniels deserved the Heisman. Yeah. He's the best player in the country. Like like, and and here's here's the thing too. This is not some gimmicky offense that he's in. It's not, he's got some help around him. He's got two like potential first round picks at wide receiver. But here's here's something else, Tyler. Because Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and Brian uh, Thomas, Brian Thomas are all three projected in, in like I think the Athletic did their latest. Um, uh, mock draft, whatever, and they were all three projected the first round. Maybe Malik Neighbors was before the season. I mean, you talk yeah. about throwing guys up and you threw that guy into a first round like that is like, like what I was, what I didn't believe in from Jaden Daniels was his, was his accuracy. 
I just, I just didn't think that was a thing. And I don't know why I thought that. I, I just thought it was, you know, like he had one good year and people figured it out and they'll adjust. He was insanely better in year two. And it is a historical season. I'm going to do a deep dive this weekend. I should have already done it. But like in comparison to, because like we, we all know that he's good. I, I, I think these numbers are, are like, I'm not saying he had a better season, but they are on the level of like a Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, like, and, and I, I do like the fact that it's they're a nine and three team is still able to have a player win the Heisman. Doesn't mean they have to be in contention, or whatever. But like, no, you, I don't think many like team or many players meant more to their team for one. The only thing I still just dislike is like if you like Bo Nix threw for or had three hundred eight total yards and three touchdowns in the Pac twelve championship game. No, those aren't bad numbers. Those are really good numbers. Mm-hmm. Like if if somebody said, "Listen, Bonix, you are," or I told you, they said, "Bonix is the favorite to win the Heisman," and this week in the Pac-12 championship game, he's going to have over 300 yards of offense and three touchdowns, and the other kid's not playing. Yeah, and he lost in a conference championship game. The other was at home, and the, the not only did the the odds completely change, they like skyrocketed in, in Daniel's favor. And again, I think it's right because he's the best player, but it's just, it was, I don't like the way it's so it's, it's like this the whole time throughout the season, same guys, same guys. And then like the last two weeks, it's like a, you freak out. Yeah. Like it, in that regard, it would have been better if Knicks, especially since they lost, mm-hmm. they just never played in the Pac-12 championship game. He might win the Heisman. Right. Um, obviously Penix and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Are in there as well. Marvin Harrison Jr. may have the argument to be the best player in the country. Um, second straight season of 1,200 yards receiving, 14 touchdowns. Um, I just don't see – it's a quarterback award these days. I don't see Marvin Harrison winning this. Um, and the odds definitely reflect that as well. But I, I want to give him a shout-out because he's been maybe the best receiver over the last two years. And now he's coming out and saying, like, he may not leave. See that? No, What? Yeah, he's like, I haven't decided, uh, you know, like, oh, I, well, I, he's claiming or maybe the article that I read is claiming that he could, they may give an NIL package that would rival first round money. Okay. <laughs> Which is, uh, I don't even know how to process that. Um, But yeah, I think, I think uh, Jaden's going to win it and I think he deserves it. And uh, he's a, he, by all accounts, he's a great kid. So yeah. couldn't pick a better winner for it this year, I don't think. I, so here's, here's a, I have a couple questions for you on this. That just in general, with the Heisman. I did I did a couple deep dives this week for the Heisman, um, and we'll start with this. So I I said do a hot take for this. I like this is a done deal. So my hot take is going to be that I don't think Marvin or Marvin Harrison Jr. finishes uh, fourth. I know he's the fourth invite. I don't think he finishes fourth. Oh yeah, I think I think Milrow might, whether he should or not. Um, I so like they had like the, the Heisman. You have top ten is, is the final like list of, of 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 people that were involved. I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm very hungover. I'll just I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks a lot, Jeff. So you have like the invites, whatever, right? Like the finalists that are there, but you still have, they, they release the top 10 of, of like who finished top 10 in the voting. Um, and it's fascinating every year to me because it's like the people that get votes and it's, it's again, it's so clear what people 
are like trying to do and, and be like edgy or, or like or just be biased or like or like just overthink it or whatever. I mean, I've done all those things too with voting, but like, I I wonder who's gonna fill out the last six spots. Last year it was easy. It was like Hidden Hooker should be up there. Bingo. Bo Nick should be up there. Bingo. Like you know, Setson Bennett, uh, Bryce Young. Like like it, like it was pretty easy to get to eight, nine, ten, and, and figure out who it is. Who who are gonna be the top ten this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously you got the four that are there. Um, Jalen Miller will be five. Yeah, Jalen will definitely be in there as well. Um, maybe Ollie Gordon. Um, I mean, again, if you're going to say that Florida State literally can't compete in the championship because their quarterbacks hurt, he's got to be pretty valuable. So I think he needs to be in there. Yeah. Um, Maybe that would be my hot take. Yeah, that's a good hot take. Um, After that, like, it's kind of just – I don't know, a hodgepodge of people like Bowers, if he would have wouldn't have been injured, maybe would have been in there. Yeah. I saw some people arguing for the D tackle for Texas. Yeah, what is that about? And the guy's really good. I just nobody on defense is ever gonna win a Heisman. Excuse me? No one on defense is ever gonna win a Heisman going forward. Why? Because we don't look at defense like that. Yeah, that's true. All the offensive numbers. It's it's so weird. Like that is one of the most fascinating things. Looking through, if, if if you're in front of a computer, go to CFP stats and pull up like the Heisman voting over the years. It is so fascinating to look at like where they were. And and, and I put out a video yesterday about the top five worst seasons, worst Heisman winners of all time. Um, so you go check that out. It's on SDS on Instagram and I put it on Twitter as well. Um, it's pretty interesting. And like like you know because it's just the numbers for some of these people, like Paul Horning won the 1956 Heisman. I will never get over this. And, and it happened 30 years before I was alive. <laughs> he had three touchdowns and 13 interceptions and, and was on a two and eight Notre Dame team. And let me tell you something right now. Johnny majors was behind him, had like a, a near a thousand yards or something. And I think 11 total touchdowns. Some kid from OU was behind him. He had 19 total touchdowns. Both of those teams were 10 and one. And then there was a lineman. And then no lineman. There was a lineman that finished fourth and then Jim Brown. So what's wild is that the different layers of, of fucking stupid that happened in that voting top five. But what's even crazier to me is if I told you that somebody won the fucking Heisman trophy with three touchdowns and 13 interceptions, your first assumption would be what, what fucking Notre Dame, you know, poster child did it. And then, you know, like on a two and eight Notre Dame team, Dude, if you look at the comments from that video, there are actual people that are like getting at me defending why he won it. And I was like, oh, no. this is insane to me. Well, I sent me nine texts last night about it. I love Mike. But he sent me a text, he sent me like nine texts last night explaining it to me. And I respect it because it's like a deep dive type thing that I would do the same thing with, with him. But I, I just I was like, I can't even read all this. Like, no. He's like, he played every position on the bet on the best team. And I was like, no. <laughs> so bad but the narratives that you can see throughout the years where it's like okay it's going to be halfbacks because they get the ball the most um from the start and into like the 40s dude there was one year that a tight end wanted he had he had 287 total yards receiving that year and four touchdowns pretty sick yeah okay and so but like it goes through that and then it's like you get into this era where it's like okay we're gonna start awarding it to whoever we think is like the most all-American boy possible, like Roger Staubach got it. 
Um, and then it became the quarterback thing. And then in the 70s, it was almost all running backs for the entire, like for like most of the 70s. And, and it was the first time you saw them putting up ridiculous numbers, like ridiculous numbers in comparison to things in the past. And, you know, 80s were a, a lot of like, but like also you, you have like this commitment to being like, it's all seniors. It's, it's only seniors. And it's if you look, just go down past the, the whoever won it, like two through five is, is always sprinkled in with some fucking white fullback from like a Northeast school that, you know, somebody was like, he gets it. He, he embodies everything that's great about college football. Larry Costanos. Yep, love him, dude. your heart. <laughs> your heart should have won, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, sorry, so my question, though, is out, out of all that rant, um, who do you think the biggest snub of all time is? Of all time? And for, for Heisman's. You just put me on the spot. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's universally just usually two two people. Okay, well, you tell me, and I'll tell you which one I agree with. So I'm. I think that I'm. I'll, you know, I'll just tell you the video because I'm going to put it out here in a minute. I did the top five in the SEC, and for fifth, I put uh, Herschel Walker in 1980. Um, George Rogers was a senior. He had an incredible season. It was awesome. I think he had, he had more rushing yards and, and all that. Herschel was clearly the best player in the country that year. If you ask anybody that was alive then, um, I think he outperformed him when they played against each other in Athens uh, and then in Georgia won that game. But the stat that really took it over the edge for me, do you know how many completions Buck Blue had in the entire season of 1980? I do not. 77. It's not a lot. It's almost six a game. So Herschel was the offense. Um, at four, I said Rex Grossman because that 2001 year where he – they gave it to Eric Crouch. They, well, I don't know what Nebraska did or what they saw the NCAA do that year. They must have had some like some dirt on him or something because like not only did he win the Heisman very undeservingly, he won like every major award. And then also Nebraska got their ass beat by Colorado, didn't win their uh, division, didn't go to the conference, uh, conference championships game, still got into the national championship game, and then got their ass beat there again. Uh, I'm looking at the list here. Um one that sticks out to me specifically in terms of dominance, Larry Fitzgerald not getting in over Jason White. So Jason White had 40 touchdown passes, and they were they were the they were in they were in the national championship game. They didn't win the national championship game, right? Uh Jason White, 2003. Did they play LSU? Yeah. Yeah, so they were in it, but they didn't win it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Fitzgerald had like what were his what were his numbers? Can't click on this, so I'll yeah, have it right. readily available in front of me. Yeah, um, I have it up. Um, I'm pretty sure his numbers were like, I think he had over 20 touchdowns, which is ridiculous as a as a, as a player. Also, Pitt is there in the yeah. Big East, so it's like not like. Um, uh, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Um, you had uh, Darren McFadden twice. So, um, but specifically the Troy Smith year. Here's the thing. I, I, you know what? I do want to talk about this for a second because the, I, I want to start a new series about like looking back at stuff historically. I'm not going to get into whether he should have won or not. He definitely should have. But just explaining why it happened, I think, is something that a lot of people miss the boat on. And same thing with Auburn. I, I broke this down a while back with Auburn in 2004 because we just kind of have this like memory of like, they were undefeated in the SEC. They should have played the national. I was like, okay, well, here's why they didn't. Like, it was never going to happen because. Both the other two teams started out the season one and two, never lost a game. 
the highs in that year for the top five vote getters were all from those two schools. Um, that's why it didn't happen. The reason why Jerry McFadden lost the, the Heisman to Troy Smith, the Ohio State in 2006, they start the year um, obviously highly ranked and they play three of their first five games, not only against ranked opponents, but in prime time, including one at Texas, who was like a top five team and in, in all that. They won all five. And I think he finished uh, that re- stretch with like a 12 touchdowns with like two interceptions, something like that. Like, and it was the clear cut front runner. They didn't, he put up almost like nothing great for the next month and a half. Um, he didn't have a 300 yard passing game all season until Michigan. Now, like at the, at the end of October, Darren McFadden comes on the scene and he, they, Arkansas had reeled off like nine straight wins. And they were like, it was so much fun to watch that offense, right? 2006, Gus Malzahn, I think it's the OC. Um, and, you know, they have they have all these different weapons there. But this guy comes in. He is, I don't say carrying the team on his back, but he's winning every possible way you could. And it was so much fun. He was he was running for like over, like about 160 yards a game during the stretch. He actually had three touchdown passes, Tyler, at a 78% completion percentage because he threw the ball in every game uh, the last four or five games of the season. Um, returned a kickoff for a touchdown, had a receiving touchdown, did everything. Um, but the thing about uh, Arkansas is that in 2006, Ohio State's playing all of their games on ABC or ESPN at 3.30 every week. Arkansas, in their last five games of the season, once he finally started being mentioned, they had one game that was on a national televised audience, and they had another that was on cable. It was an ESPN2 game against Tennessee at like 6 p.m. The other three, two were on Jefferson Pilot, and one was on pay-per-view. So nobody was seeing these games at all. And so then you get back on the scene. Like now it's like that. It's a race. Troy Smith throws for 300 yards against Michigan and like a one verse two and throws four touchdowns. And it was like, oh, of course. Yeah, he definitely is. The, should have won the Heisman. And that's how it happened. It's uh, 2007. McFadden should not have been over Tebow because Tebow put up 50 right. touchdowns. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, that was my little history. So, lesson. by the way, Larry Fitzgerald uh, in 2003, 1,672 yards receiving 22 touchdowns. <laughs> that is stupid. He didn't have one game in the regular season that he didn't score at least one touchdown. Wow. The only game that he didn't score a touchdown was after the Heisman vote and the bowl game against Virginia. I mean, I've never seen I I just don't you don't see numbers like that especially in 2003 when the game was certainly more catered to like a full balanced like we're a lot more of a yeah. passing game these days like the fact that a receiver could put up that amount of yards and touchdowns in a season is truly special and I mean obviously he went on to become an absolute star in the NFL as well so dude 18.2 yards per catch yeah yeah wow. Yeah. I mean, I think what hurt him, I'm looking at the schedule here game by game. Like, mm-hmm. my guess is their only televised game, like, nationally was against Notre Dame that year, and he had 79 yards receiving and two touchdowns. That was, like, his weak game. That's, that's wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly. And then he played Miami, and he only had 26 catches for, uh, or 26 yards, but he did have a touchdown as well. Those yeah. two games basically were their big ones, and he didn't have over 100. Every other game, he had over 100 yards receiving and at least one touchdown. That's insane. That's insane. I, don't, I just don't remember him that much that year. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think the the one big one that stands out to everyone, like, is to me, I think it's Jeremy Patton, just because of the way it played out, and it, it seemed like probably for the last time you you had somebody that was like, oh yeah, but they're not getting paid attention to because they're in the SEC. 
And then, like, of course, Troy Smith gets his ass beat by Florida in the national championship. But, like, the one that is the most popular one to say is is Peyton Manning in 1997 losing to Charles Woodson. And I will tell you right now that I was 11 years old living a 5026 Brittany Drive in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I went sprinting through the house, screaming and cheering when he won. I was so happy. Um, again, it's, it's one of those things, like, where – I can make the case for, for Troy Smith. Like I get why it happened. Like he won that in September and then he had one more good game. Um, And he was, he was nationally televised the whole time. Peyton, you think about this award being given out as a career award all the time. And, and Peyton announces he's coming back. And there's just a, there's a fascinating article on ESPN. If you, um, I'll look at the title real quick. It's like from a couple of years ago, I want to say, uh, it's called The Oral History of the Epic 1997 Heisman Trophy Race by Chris Lowe. He wrote it in 2017, but he breaks down in interviews like Steve Spurrier, Peyton Manning, Woodson, obviously, Lloyd Carr, all these, like uh, Chad Pennington, because he was from Knoxville and also played at Marshall with Randy Moss. All these people around it, like, takes you through how it happened. And it's just so, it's, it's like the most perfect example of like media people just doing too much. And Peyton put up nine 300 yard passing games that year. He had like they won the SEC. Okay, um, they they won the SEC, and I don't know what else he could have he could have done better. He had, he had I believe it was like thirty seven touchdowns. Um, and if you look at like and Woodson was great, right? But like Manning had thirty six passing touchdowns, eleven interceptions. And if you ask, they they interviewed voters and they said what cost him was the loss to Florida in September for the fourth year in a row. So they lose to Florida in like week two, like he did every year. And that's what cost him. He threw a pick six. And then he just reeled off almost 300 yards in every single game the rest of the year. And they won the SEC. And they're like, but did you see Charles Woodson have a 37-yard catch against Ohio State? While playing defense as well. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I saw that one as well. And I, I wasn't sure quite off the top of my head what Woodson's numbers were in total that year. But that kind of felt like a – this dude does everything, so we're just gonna give it to him type deal. He did have seven interceptions. That's pretty sick. And and like do you remember the one he had against Michigan State, the one-handed one on the sideline? Yeah, that's like the yeah, that's like the classic picture. He he did have, I will say, he had in the big moments, especially when they were televised, he like he showed out. Like there's in that article they were talking about, like in the game against Ohio State, because he played offense too, but not like he didn't do that much. And he had an interception, or he had a, he had a thirty-seven yard catch um, that led to like a, a touchdown um, against them. He had like Ohio State was driving to score and was inside the ten yard line, and he picked off a pass off his own, like like went off his coverage because he, he read the quarterback and then jumped a route and and got an, a touchdown or interception in the end zone. And Keith Jackson said it was the greatest game he'd ever seen play. Well, there you go. Um, before we sign off, I want to talk a little bit about coaching movement. Um, there's been some active stuff going on over the last couple of days. So we saw, uh, Houston hired Willie Fritz from Tulane. I think it's a really good hire. Um, Tulane's gone to a bowl game in five of the last six seasons and has gone 23 and four in the past two years. Prior to Willie Fritz getting to Tulane, they went to one bowl game from 2003 to 2015. That's wild. So, um, you know, you talk about Houston moving up to the big 12, Gives Fritz a chance to get up to the Power Five or the Power Four or whatever the hell it is now. Yeah. Um, 
I just saw as we've been recording that it looks like Tulane is going to hire Troy's head coach, Summerall. I like that. Uh, Duke hired Manny Diaz, yeah, who was weird. former Miami head coach and did a really good job with Penn State's defense over the last two years. Saw Indiana hired um, James Madison's head coach. Okay. I thought that was a really good hire. I mean, I've got a we got a, a, a listener who's a big Indiana guy, um, and uh, I told him I thought it was a great hire. He thought I was being uh, sarcastic. I was like, "Dude, they've gone like they've won like all their games, but one over the last two years." Yeah. Uh, Derek Mason back as a head coach. Middleton that is interesting. Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool. Bronco Mendenhall back in the game as well. He's at New Mexico. I don't know why you would ever do that, dude. No, he needs to be back out like in the American Southwest. Like he was so good at BYU and then decided to go to Virginia for some reason. And it was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, there were some coordinator hires as well. We've already talked about Petrino going back to Arkansas. Um, but you saw Penn State hired Kansas's OC, which I think was a good move. Um, obviously, Kansas has been really good offensively over the last couple of years. Penn State kind of been dreadful. So we'll see what happens there. USC hired UCLA's defensive coordinator. I thought they should have gone bigger than that, but UCLA did have a really good uh, year. They finished number 11 in total defense in his first year. They were number 89 last year. Wow. So maybe you see a good improvement for USC. Um, I don't know. Any hires particularly stick out to you? I think there's still going to be more to come with coaching movement, um, especially after signing day. As fucked up as that is, yeah. It's like, hey, come sign with us. Okay, I'm out. But no, I, I think um, the Derek Mason thing was kind of surprising. It was weird because at this cycle, it was usually you get like the regurgitated, recycled names that just bounce from place to place and will always have a job. Um, it seems like this time around, there was a couple like names that had been, you know, almost forgotten about for the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, happy for Derek Mason. Always a really, really fun interview. Very passionate guy. Um, so I hope that goes well, especially for me going to Middle Tennessee for one semester of college. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens after. Hey, you can't forever, forever a, a a Blue Raider. You can't say that, bro. You transferred. You're not a forever. Never, Blue Raider. I don't. Yeah, they don't claim me. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone where anyone goes once the games that matter are played. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I also it'll be very interesting to see the opt outs thing like what that looks like Florida state and, and, and Georgia still have, that could be a really good game. I think people are, are really hoping it's going to be like everything they want it to be. And like two really, really good teams. And I can't tell if they're going to both just like, like, fuck it, let's just go like full out. Or they're going to be like, Hey, we're both broken. We don't want to do this right now. Yeah. I, I, we've still got, you know, three weeks till it's played. So I think there's some time for both teams to kind of come off the like we felt like we were jobbed um but i mean like johnny wilson's already opted out he's going pro i I imagine keon coleman will do the same trey benson so it's just like you know the the clip on instagram of my rant about florida state went viral and like everyone in the comments is like georgia's gonna beat florida state's ass and they'll they'll see why they weren't in the playoff and it's like these two teams aren't even gonna be they're gonna be a shell of what they were across the whole season this orange bowl is going to prove nothing. Um, yeah. And I'm going to stick to that in case we do get our ass beat. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like if you're Brock Bowers and you've already had a serious injury this year, like what is your motivation to suit up for this game? Yeah. It's a, an exhibition game. Like, cool. You know, you get a chance for an extra win. 
but you've also got a chance to make millions of dollars and you don't want a serious injury in a game that doesn't count for anything. So right. I, I see where the players are coming from. It just sucks. It just yeah. sucks as a college football fan. I mean, but a lot of stuff that's going on with college football kind of sucks right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to the bowl games no matter what, because what is cool about it is, and especially with the rule that they changed a couple of years ago where you can still keep your red shirt and play in four games. Like you're going to see a lot of players that you didn't get to see this year go out and play like a starting role for a lot of these teams, these bigger yeah. teams. So I'm kind of excited to see what that looks like. And we'll get way more into the bowl games as um, we get closer to them. And maybe we'll talk about, you know, not only our best bets, but like if you had a pot of money, where would you, yeah. what are you, where are you most confident in, in terms of a, a bet for, for certain bowl games. But I'm, I'm super fired up. Bowl start this week, this week coming up. So we will do a Sunday night pod live. Mm-hmm. like We normally do at eight Eastern time. And we're going to add the super chat to it finally. Yeah. So we're excited about that. So if you're coming with questions, be prepared for the super chat. That's right. That's where we're getting them from. All right. Uh, anything else from you today, Chris? Or do you need no, to get hangover? Okay. We'll go get a nap. Um, we appreciate you guys all listening as always. Um, if you appreciate the show, like many of you do, go help us out. Um, it will really help us for the growth of the show if you'd rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We say that every week, but it really does mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, leave a review that helps us as well. Uh, as always, we'll leave, uh, we'll read the best ones on air and like, and subscribe to the YouTube page. Um, leave us a message. I know there's no games this weekend, but if you still want to get your thoughts out there on whatever's going on, leave us a message. It doesn't have to be just for games. You can leave us a message for anything. So just remember seven, seven, zero, six, seven, four, eight, two, three, three is the number. Don't uh, forget to check out all the videos and clips from the show on Twitter at sat down South on Instagram at Saturday down South. Um, same on TikTok and Saturday Down South on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Tyler. We appreciate you guys tuning in this week, and we will talk to you guys on Sunday night live on Saturday Down South YouTube page. See you. Bye. Bye.